Hey y'all, I'm Ryan Devlin and welcome to The Struggle Climbing Show, where I talk with elite climbers about their struggles and breakthroughs in training, nutrition, tactics, and mental game, and also what they're passionate about beyond the fight with gravity. Now today we got a special special for you here. It's a live version of The Struggle coming at you from the beautiful Red River Gorge Rocktoberfest, where we basically ran a mini season of The Struggle in about 45 minutes. It's featuring four elite climbers, one master coach, a handful of audience questions, and about as many beers as there were moments of insight, which is to say a lot. This was a super fun format, y'all, and I know you're gonna get a lot of actionable takeaways from it. So let me tell you about our amazing guests on stage here at Land of the Arches. Mo Beck has won eight national paraclimbing titles and taken gold in worlds twice, along with being a National Geographic Explorer of the Year. She climbs super hard with half the hands that most of us have, and you're going to hear even more from her later this season, actually. Matt Siegel has established some of the most difficult and striking trad lines in the world, y'all, up to 514, and he's repeated some incredibly badass ones as well, including 514 Cobra Crack in Squamish. Sam Elias is a pro skier turned climber and alpinist with trad red points up to 14 minus, sport RPs to 14D, numerous ice climbing podiums that include a first place finish at Ore, and he's also summited Everest. Drew Mack is Mr. Red River Gorge, of course, having sent nearly everything here, including Pure Imagination, one of the most beautiful 14 Cs anywhere on Earth. He is the master of endurance, having put down 21 514s last year, including the 14D Life of Villains. Come on. And Coach Eric Hurst is a goat with 45 years of climbing experience and 30 years of coaching. Eric's written numerous books and articles on training for climbing, he read points into the mid-13s, and he's also the founder of Fizzy Vantage. There ain't nobody better than Eric to analyze what our panelists are about to share today, and then package that stuff up into some truth bombs for us weekend warriors to utilize in our training and performance. Y'all check your knots, this is gonna be a fun one. Now, speaking of Coach Hurst, in this episode, you're going to hear an audience member ask about the use of pain relievers, and Eric shares the science on how detrimental the overuse of ibuprofen can be. So if you're relying too much on vitamin I, check out a product that PhysiVantage is making called Redux HP. It offers an all-natural pain relief and accelerated recovery. You guys, I'm a huge fan of this, along with, of course, all of their other science-backed products to help us climbers level up our training and performance. I'm super proud that PhysiVantage is the official climbing nutrition sponsor of The Struggle. Hit that link in your show notes or use code STRUGGLE15 to save 15% off any full-priced nutrition order. Now, the official gear sponsor of The Struggle, and also a sponsor at Rocktoberfest along with Fizzy Vantage, is Petzl. Y'all, I've been using their gear for about a decade now, and I love it. I was just out at the Red working on a new project this past weekend, and my rope just falls into those beautiful Petzl Gin XS quick draws. They've got bent gates, which of course makes that rope go in super easy. And also the key lock noses on those carabiners eliminate snagging on bolts and ropes. Y'all, their carabiners are tested to withstand 100,000 opened and closed cycles. Oh man, I hope this project of mine doesn't take that long. Look for Petzl Draws at your local gear shop and pop on over to Petzl.com to access the inaccessible. 
All right, now to set the stage here, it was about 10 p.m. when we all grabbed our microphones at the hangar at Land of the Arches Campground, which was packed with puffy jackets, and it carried the scent of kind of a delightful mixture of chalk, cheap beer, and fall leaves. The psych was super high. Conditions were incredible at the Red this weekend. So grab a seat and join us here tonight at Rocktoberfest. All right, hello, Rocktoberfest. I'm Ryan Devlin. I'm the host of the Struggle Climbing Show. And this is a special live edition of the Struggle here for Rocktoberfest. How the hell are y'all doing tonight? This is great. So that's all I rehearsed, and Drew is going to take it from here. Cool. I'm just kidding, Drew. I'm just kidding. I'm buddy. So every season on The Struggle, each episode, I interview an elite athlete, ask them about their struggles and breakthroughs, and at the end of each season, we have coaches come in and look back at those 10 elite athletes and see where we weekend warriors, we average climbers, can learn from the struggles and breakthroughs of the strongest climbers in the world. So this evening, we're gonna run a mini season of The Struggle where we will ask these fantastic athletes to my right, and to your left, uh, where they've struggled. And then Coach Eric Hurst is going to analyze that for us and see if we can get some takeaways. So let's first do some introductions. We've got Mo Beck, Matt Siegel, Sam Elias, Drew Mack, and Eric Hurst. Let's welcome them to the Rocktoberfest Struggle Climbing Show. So I want to go down the line here and give each of these incredible athletes an opportunity to introduce themselves Maybe tell us a little bit about what you love about the Red River Gorge, any climbs that you're looking forward to getting on. And if you could also just what struggle means to you through the lens of rock climbing. And we will start right here with Mo Beck. I knew I should have picked a different seat. Um, uh, my name is Mo Beck. I live just outside Denver, Colorado now. Uh, but I actually just got here for a month. So I'll be your neighbor for a hot minute. Um, I love the Red River Gorge, I think because it kicks my ass like every single day. Um, and for me, the struggle is, is the fun part. That's why we're all here. Hi, I'm Matt Siegel. Uh, I'm from similar area to Mo, just outside of Denver, Boulder, Colorado. I've been climbing here since the late 90s. Yeah, how many, how many else out there been climbing here since the 90s? Anybody? Who's been climbing since the 90s? Who was born in the 90s? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I'm so sorry, Matt. <laughs> Um, but no, I grew up in Miami, Florida and came here as just a kid. Uh, it was one of the first places I sport climbed at. I love it. Love coming back. Uh, it's great. Get pumped. Um, what does struggle mean? I think we all look for just Drew here is pulling tags off his jackets up here. <laughs> just a little distracting. Is that new? Yeah. Looks fresh. Um, I think we all like to try things hard. We all like failure because what's success without failure? So to me, that's what struggle is all about. Thank you, Matt. Sam. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> Who are you? Where are you from? And uh, my name is Sam Elias. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, Woo! but I'm living in Salt Lake City, Utah right now. Um, I started climbing. I actually started climbing in 2005 here in the Red River Gorge. I got a job at Miguel's Pizza. Uh, and How many MIGS employees are out there? Any MIGS employees out there right now? They're all working. No, they're all working. 
they're all, they're all still working. Please continue, Sam. Um, and yeah, this is my favorite place in the whole wide world to be. Uh, it's the most meaningful place that I've ever climbed and, and the most important community that I've ever been a part of. Um, I don't know why it's doing that, but I feel like it's a sign for me to pass the mic on. Drew Mack, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Hello, hello. Um, this is my first time here. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Drew Mack. Uh, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and I've been climbing here for a really long time. I love it. It's, again, my favorite place in the world. Um, I live in Utah now. Um, but, yeah, I don't... Do, do I know Jack Harlow? Um, I went to high school with him. No, I'm joking. I don't, actually. Um, and, Drew, what does struggle mean to you as a climber? Um, struggle, you know, like we, we face adversity in our personal lives and our climbing lives and, you know, <laughs> struggle is being Sam's friend. Um, <laughs> um, I do feel like honored to be here, uh, sitting with these, these lovely, uh, heroes of mine. So yeah, it feels like an honor. Thank you, Drew. And coach Eric Hurst. Um, yeah, so I'm the old guy in the panel. Uh, I've been climbing longer than most of you have been alive. I started climbing in 1977, so maybe as long as your parents have been alive. And, uh, but I still am passionate about climbing hard, you know, and uh, trying to push myself. So my struggle is getting out of bed in the morning, getting to the gym to train, but I do both most days. And, uh, and then coming here to the Red and working my 513 projects. And, uh, and Ryan is uh, gonna take over from here. So athletes, I wanna jump in. Y'all, we're not gonna um, we're not gonna take up the whole night here. Just long enough for you to sober up. So when you hit that cop checkpoint down on the corner, uh, you sail right through. But what I want to talk about here is training first. Um, we're coming into the fall season. We're at the Red River Gorge. There's some hard climbing here. So a lot of us are training or wrapping up some training blocks uh, so that we can send our projects. If you all could think about athletes, the one thing that you struggle with in your training either the, something that you have struggled with or something that you currently do struggle with. And um, share it with us, and then uh, we'll ask Coach Hurst how we all uh, might be able to uh, take a look at that in a new way and, um, and make those struggles something that help us break through to the next grade. Mo, are you prepared to tell us how you struggle with your training? All right, good. Okay, I really need this, so listen close. Um, my struggle is, is focus, I think, because I want to be the best I can be at, so, at every type of climbing I can do except bouldering because I don't really care about bouldering. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so I, I love alpine climbing, so I spent you know, most of my summer you know, in the mountains doing relatively easy but long, long climbs, long approaches, heavy packs. And then I'm like shocked when I show up to the Red River Gorge and get my ass handed to me um, because my butt and legs look great, but my arms are noodles. Um, I just, I want to do it all and I have the hardest time, time focusing. Um, you know, I, en I enjoy training, it's fun, um, but I'm also bad at it and I have a lot of fun not training as well. <laughs> all right, thank you, Mo. So focus for Mo is a struggle. Matt, how about you, man? I think. Uh, for me personally, it would be mitigating short-term and long-term goals. So, for example, if I'm in a training cycle at home uh, and I get go rock climbing outside and I find a project, I'm like, oh, shit, I want to, like, climb this route. I want to send this route. It's so cool. But it, like, 
I end up like tweaking my training cycle to try to climb a route. And then I realize I'm just like kind of not training well. Cause I'm like skipping, you know, training days to go rock climbing. So I, I think for me, it's that balance of figuring out, um, when to train and when to focus on rock climbing and really mostly when to not focus on rock climbing or not focus on the short-term goals, think about the long-term goals and focus on training us training. Thank you, Matt. Very good. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, another maybe focus here um, with regard to goals, goal setting. And I imagined uh, uniquely hard for, for professional climbers because you can always climb outside if you want to. Um, uh, so, so it takes some real discipline, uh, it sounds like. Um, let's move over to Sam. How about you, man? How do you struggle with your training? Um, my training came from uh, a life of ski racing and of competitive uh, ski racing and um, not perfectly applicable to climbing the body parts are uh, obviously quite a lot quite quite a bit different um, I got into climbing later in life I was I was 22 after college so I, I feel like the thing that I struggle with uh, in climbing gyms and with training is just strength like I I'm not I'm not a I'm not a strong climber um, I don't have strong fingers I don't have strong upper body but I, what I do think is beautiful about climbing is that it's not just about uh, strength. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Sorry about the microphones. Drew? I, I think for me, like, consistency is really important. Um, I think it's, it can be hard traveling or just, like, life can get in the way, as everyone knows. And, you know, you can uh, just have things come up. And if you're not really consistent in your climbing, then you can kind of have, you know, when I fall behind in my training or fall behind where I feel good, then you feel like you're constantly trying to fight back, you know. And, and that is a hard uh it's a hard struggle, you know, it's hard to feel like you're not where you want to be or you want to be better or whatever, but you just have to like clock in and put in the work and that always like pays off. Um, yeah, staying con hyper consistent is, is the best. Consistency for Mr. Drew Mack over there. So Coach Eric Hurst, we're asking you to analyze in real time over here, but you've heard four elite pro climbing you athletes bet. over here with their struggles in training. What were your big takeaways there? What can we take away yeah. from where these fine folks are yeah. struggling? Well, I, I loved what each of them said. There was a lot of wisdom. And the one thing that ties them all together is as veteran climbers, you know, people that have been doing it a long time, they all kind of eventually intuited what worked best for them. And that's something that I, as a coach, spend a lot of time working with. I'm not a fan of cookie cutter programs. I mean, if you're a beginner, you're brand new to climbing, you might download a program on the internet and follow some basic guidelines, and that's fine. But climbing is such a complex sport and there's so many different climbing goals and so many sub-disciplines that you just can't, you know, two people can't do the same program. You know, even if they're both boulders, you know, they're different people. They have different genetics, they have different training histories, both climbing and non-climbing. They have different injury histories. You know, they're of different ages and backgrounds. I mean, there's, we're all more different than we are similar. And so each of these veteran climbers over the years kind of found what works best for them. What is the winning formula? And while there's commonalities, there's a lot of differences. And so for Drew being a younger climber, it was about being consistent and getting more into gym training as an outdoor climber. 
You know, Sam took his expertise understanding the process of training as a skier and you know, that, that's an asset. He knows how to train. He was an elite skier. He can take, you know, that kind of mental know-how to execute programs and repurpose it to training for climbing. And, you know, everybody has that initial rise their first few years as they learn to climb. They learn the technical and mental skills. They develop some climbing-specific strength, and you get good really fast. But then you hit that plateau. And so at that point, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to quit climbing? Well, not if you love climbing or not. And, uh, you know, so if you're a climber, climber for life, you then start to experiment when you hit that plateau and you start to arm yourself with some knowledge. You listen to Training for Climbing podcasts or the Struggle podcast. You talk to coaches. Uh, you talk to climbers. But again, there's no secret to taking it to the next level. You have to kind of find what works for you. And we're all at a different place. And I'm a big fan of, you know, you kind of finding your own journey, both in the gym and on the rock. Just because your best friend and partner is into hard sport climbing, maybe your journey is going to take you into the mountains, you know, like Mo climbing, you know, alpine stuff. Uh, you can do it all, but, you know, finding your own journey is important. And I think in the same way, in the gym, when it comes to training, you have to kind of find your own formula as well and follow your own training journey. So I guess as a closing comment, I would say um, try to resist copycat training. You know, the thing you just saw on Instagram, the exercise, maybe it's not appropriate for you. You know, you need to kind of find out what is appropriate for you at any given point. You know, maybe a project-specific type program. Uh, but also, you know, just kind of based on your experience in climbing, what is right for you. And maybe more strength, as Sam said, maybe more strength isn't the answer. Maybe you need to learn to control your emotions a little more in the rock and not be scared to take that airfall on at the mother load. Uh, and um, yeah, so keep an open mind when it comes to performance and find your own journey when it comes to climbing. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Audience, we're gonna we're gonna open it up for one question. Sponsor of the podcast, Petzl, has donated a draw. I have one. Whoever has a question, a follow-up question, training specific question for one of our athletes. This is the hand that went up over here first. What motivation? What's the motivation here? External versus internal, um, or external versus in, internal rewards. Um, any of you climbers want to handle that? We don't necessarily have to go down the line, but do you feel pressure to train because of your job or because you just want to become a better climber? I could answer this. I, I would say being a professional climber for almost 20 years, I feel like it's a privilege and I feel like it's my duty to train and to be the best climber that I can be. But with that being said, that's how I feel, but all the inspiration is personal. It's not driven by external sources. So like I walk up to a wall or I see a photo of something and I'm like, that effing inspires me. Like I want to climb that first ascent, repeat, 10th ascent, whatever it is, it doesn't matter to me. I am drawn to do that and train for that. And hopefully my sponsors support me in that, you know, and fortunately, they have, you know, but um, for the most part, I would say if you're climbing not for personal reasons, like you're going to fail 
Thank Sam. you, Matt. I appreciate it. Let's kick it over to nutrition here. Nutrition's kind of the next chapter. We've all had our struggles in nutrition. We'll go right down the line here. Mo, we've seen how much beer you drink, Mo. Is it going to be beer? No. Okay. Um, I, I, my goal in life is to prove the adage you can't out-train a bad diet wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think I have such a, I think when I have a positive relationship with nutrition, and that's not necessarily eating kale all day long. It's, it's when food makes me happy, I'm happy. And I feel like nutrition is one of the things that might have the most direct tie to my mental health when it comes to climbing. Um, and it's, um, yeah, you can take that brick of cheese out of my cold, dead hands. So like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's all I got, really. Thank you, Mo. Matt? Uh, I'm kind of in line with, with, with Mo's theory here is uh, I, I truly believe you can't put a press on morale. An old friend of mine said that to us, and I think uh, a happy climber will always perform better than an unhappy climber. Um, but I do, I love cooking. I think we should all eat nutrient-dense foods from local food sources. Uh, I think that's what our planet needs. I think that makes us healthier. Um, but ultimately, I truly... Thank you. Yeah. Nice jacket. Hey, hey, whoever uh, whoever just quieted the crowd back there, come come on up and get yourself a uh, prize. I, Drew Mack, uh, nutrition. Yeah, word. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I have a bad diet. Sam looked at me as soon as we started talking about this because, I mean, I ate a frosty a few nights ago, um, and I don't care. Uh, like, I don't know, I think it's like what everyone else has said, I think it's good to have a healthy relationship with food. Uh, you know, I think there's such a, a, a need to feel like you need to be light and um, all of that. So, I don't know, I think that being able to be flexible, like Sam said, I think is important. Like when I go out with friends, I wanna have a nice time and have a big burger or something. Uh, but then there's other times where I do feel a bit more locked in and focused on the goals that I wanna accomplish. And those are the times where it feels okay to to be fueling my body correctly, but maybe not overindulging in, in ice cream or other things, you know? I think there's a, there's a balance there that I'm just trying to strike up, yeah. Thank you, Drew. All right, Eric. Yep, good stuff. Okay, well, you know you're talking to a guy that owns a nutrition company, right? So I'm gonna drop, drop a truth bomb on you here, okay? Okay, everything these guys said is true. Nutrition plays a role, but it's not everything. And you can't starve yourself to the next grade, that is for sure. In fact, what you can do is starve yourself to the next injury. Uh, many climbers who are chronically injured, part of the reason is obviously inappropriate training, training too often, climbing too often, too little rest. That's part of it, but also being undernourished. If you don't have enough protein in your diet, well, your muscles and tendons and ligaments are comprised of mostly protein. So if you're protein deficient, don't be surprised that you recover slowly and you're chronically injured. Uh, so yeah, nutrition is a factor. I often talk about you know training and nutrition as being opposite sides of the same coin. You need to train appropriately, not crazy off the end and not, you know, minimalist either. You need to find what is the sweet spot for you. And I think for nutrition, it's kind of the same thing. You have to find the sweet spot for you. So for me tonight, the sweet spot is a burger and fries. But does Eric Hurst eat a burger and fries every night? No, I do not. But I probably have a couple a month and I have a couple of pizzas a month and I 
have a couple of coffee cakes a month. And, you know, so um, I am not a uh, person that says you need to deny yourself the foods that pleasure you. I mean, eating is part of life. And so, but also, if I'm training for my project, am I dialing in my nutrition? Am I eating a few less burgers and a few less pizzas? Yes, because I know that um, I feel lighter and fitter and uh, climb better when I'm just kind of fine-tuned. And, you know, it's a personal thing. It's kind of like my previous answer. I said, you know, you have to kind of find what works best for you. What is the formula for you? Uh, and generally, if you're a beginner climber, you need to learn to climb. You need to learn all of those very important skills, mental, technical, uh, obviously things that relate to climbing safely. That is paramount the first few years. So if you go on a athlete, you know, hardcore diet early on, it's kind of attention misplaced in my opinion. However, as you become that better climber or that more elite climber, well then little things make big differences. And I'll tell you, I've worked with World Cup champion climbers. I've worked with climbers who climb 515. Um, one of them that used to live in my house and uh, a lot of others, both in America and Europe, and they all pay a lot of attention to what they consume. Uh, and that doesn't mean they deny themselves all the time, but they do deny themselves some of the time, you know, when they're kind of preparing for competition or for the big send. But maybe when they're in a training block during the off season, they open things up and are a little more, um, you know, uh, less resistant to uh, consuming maybe a burger and fries or, you know, going to a few more parties and such. So everybody's got to find what's right for them. But, um, and there's no simple answer. There's no single formula when it comes to diet. Uh, but I think it's something the more informed you become, the better you understand what you're eating. Uh, a few of these folks talked about eating whole foods and eating less processed packaged foods. That's obviously a very, very good thing. And in certain situations, uh, sports nutrition can be helpful, uh, but it's not a uh, pathway to the next grade, uh, just kind of dialing in everything uh, that you're doing is. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Coach. Um, I got some sports nutrition. Who's got a question about nutrition for one of these athletes back here? The question here is about usage of pain relievers, um, and that was directed at Eric Hurst. Thank you for the question. For the question, you get to um, score I, yourself some Fizzy Vantage Endurex, one of my favorite products. Going to help you climb longer and resist that pump. Come on up and get your Fizzy Vantage Endurex while Coach Hurst is answering a question about pain relievers. Anybody ever heard of vitamin I? You know what vitamin I is? Ibuprofen? I work with a lot of pro climbers who live on that stuff, like big wall climbers that take fourth on an empty stomach first thing in the morning and it's terrible for your stomach. And it's also terrible for your tendons. There's some pretty good research that shows that uh, NSAIDs affect collagen synthesis, which is ongoing right now on each of us very, very slowly to rebuild your connective tissues from the wear and tear of climbing today. And so anything that slows down a slow process is a bad thing. And taking ibuprofen every day does just that. So. Like all things, in moderation, if your one hardest day of training or climbing per week, you pop a few Advil, no problem. 
But if it's a chronic use, as it is with many climbers or many athletes, it's actually counterproductive. It might get you into the gym or onto the rock for your workout of the day, but long term, it might be the reason why you keep getting A2 pulley injuries or other injuries. And so uh, there are some natural alternatives like uh, tart cherry powder and curcumin. Uh, you need to make sure you're taking a clinically relevant dose. If it's a very small dose, it's spitting in the ocean. It's not going to really help you. But there are a few natural uh, products that you can take daily that take the edge off the inflammation. Uh, not in as a dramatic way as NSAIDs do, but in a much safer way. And so, uh, you know, that's something that I think people should look into if you're serious about it. And uh, again, the daily vitamin I consumption, not a good thing for multiple reasons. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. And thank you for the question. All right, moving on to tactics here, athletes. And what I want to do is uh, I have nothing else Mind to give you, least, but thank you but so much. Yeah. Please um, shut the fuck up. The... Um, I want to go down the line here on tactics, but what I'd like to do here is have you take a look at it through the lens of a project that you might be working on right now. Could be a limit project, could be, could be something that you want to send tomorrow, could be something that you want to send in the next two years. And tactically speaking, what's it going to take for you to get that project done? Or what are you struggling with right now that's preventing you from clipping the chains or the anchors or topping out that project. Mo, we'll start with you. Um, so I try to have fun with what my project actually is. Um, so I would say my, my current project isn't just a hard grade for me, but I also have a goal within that of can I climb it in as few uh, days of attempts as possible? Because um, I feel like that's, that's kind of achieving a different kind of benchmark within the grade. Um, just like, can I just slay this dragon fast? Um, what that has meant is I've spent a lot of time looking at it and deciding not to climb it because I want to keep the day count low. Um, but I think that just kind of keeps me mentally engaged in the project rather than just focusing on getting to the top. Um, I'm being more careful with how I'm approaching it, how I'm thinking about it, how I'm training for it. Um, I'm even being more careful with who I'm taking up there with me to, to work with me on it. Um, and so it's kind of a way to almost gamify what could otherwise just be kind of another project. Um, you know, especially something in my backyard uh, where I could just dismiss it and be like, oh, well, it'll be there next season. It's like, no, it's an extra little layer of motivation. It's, it's how, how well can I climb this and how quickly can I do it? Thank you, Mo. That was super insightful. I love that. Matt, a tough act to follow, but give us a go. What are you working on? What's a project that, that's in your sights, if you're willing to share it? And tactically, what's... What's it going to take? Tactics. That's right. Okay. Um, for me, I think I'm similar with Mo in the sense that throughout the year, I kind of jump around from different styles of climbing, whether it's like mixed climbing, alpine climbing, big wall climbing, sport climbing. And um, to be vague in some ways, that's uh, sharing a tactic that I would use for all of those processes is this concept of setting mini goals in preparation to train for the bigger project in, in a sense. Um, like for example, I, I'm leaving here and going back home to Colorado and I have a sport climbing project and kind of for the last like two months before I've been like kind of working up red pointing routes, training all the things mentally and physically and emotionally like going through the process of not only training in the gym, but like kind of 
the red point muscle is what I would call it, which is like kind of something that uh, not a lot of people talk about. Like it's like this aspect of the practice of projecting, you using it, you know, like of like, and you lose it when you don't do it. You know, it's like the emotional struggle of, oh, I'm falling at the same spot. What do I do? You, you, you know, and, and the only way to overcome that is to, is to do it. Sam, tactically speaking, what do you think is critical? For me, I've, I've found that it's important to get hyper-specific and that the timeline is usually a lot longer than anyone wants to commit to. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that takes a lot of fortitude. It takes a lot of just uh, commitment and willingness to go in an ebb and flow for a longer period of time than just a couple of months. Like, if you're trying to do the thing that's the hardest thing you've ever done and you want to train for that, um, you need to understand, you know, what that specific thing is, where it is, and what exactly you need to do to get ready and allow yourself six nine 12 months or more to get ready for it um you know we most people talk about training or you see training videos on instagram it's just fucking people going to the climbing gym and climbing or hanging on the hangboard or like picking up some weights and putting them down like these sorts of programs and cycles are vastly more complex than just a single day in the climbing gym or a single month in the climbing gym. Usually they're three months or six months or a year in advance. So you have to understand that like, if you're trying to do the hardest thing that you ever wanna do, like it ain't gonna be I'm gonna train in the gym for a few weeks and go try the thing because realistically that's not actually the hardest thing you're ever gonna do. Um, you are capable of much more than that, but it's going to take a, a longer period of time to prepare. So, you know, I've learned that through trial and error and through the, the, the long game. And so it, it, it's really just about uh, understanding that these, that these things take much longer than any of us really want to believe they do. And, um, if we find something that we're passionate about or that motivates or drives us, then we'll be willing to put in that time and go through those ups and downs and those ebbs and flows and those different cycles to prepare for, for the thing. Beautiful, man. Uh, just, I right. love that. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, w I think Sam said what I was trying to say a lot more eloquently, <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll follow that up with, like, I'm going to try something that's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. And to prepare tactically for that, I tried to go and climb the hardest thing I've ever done, if that makes sense. Like, because if you're trying to climb the hardest thing and you climb it, you could definitely climb something harder. So I think it's like, that's kind of what I was trying to get at is like the, the, the training for training sake is like kind of this like weird, silly thing. And like a lot of times you just kind of have to go and do things and it takes a long time it takes twice as long as you think it's going to take cool drew mack um yeah so i'm going to leave here on monday and i'm going straight back to st george utah 
and I have a project um, that's called Bone Tomahawk that I try to bunch in the spring, um, and I love the route. I'm really inspired by it. I want to climb on it. I'm really excited. I uh, it's the hardest route I've ever tried, and I got my shit kicked in in the spring on it, like totally just like felt like whoa this is like so beyond me but it's something that i want to invest in and try to do um so i spent a lot of the summer training really hard being super like particular about the things that i want to do talking to a lot of people about it um and then a few months ago i just decided to screw off and have fun and go to do random things and eat a lot of food and my focus and intention hasn't been exactly where I would like it to be. Um, and that feels really intimidating. At this moment, I feel like, holy shit, I'm not prepared for this thing that I really want to be prepared for. And I'm just gonna show up and try to do the best that I can. I'm gonna bang my head on the route. I'm gonna show up um, as often as I can um, and be thoughtful of like being rested, but also trying really, really hard. And I'm gonna try to prevent myself from falling into traps of ex expectations. I think when I start to make progress, I can want it to come fast. I can want to you know, show up to the crag and be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing on the route to do it. Um, but really, when I show up to try the route, and that's my intention, I'm just there to try, uh, which I've talked about a bunch, then I, then I always climb a lot better. So I'm gonna show up to this really hard thing and get my butt kicked for a few weeks, and then I'll slowly start doing better and better and hopefully keep keep trying until I do it. And if I don't do it now, then I'll do it next spring. And if I don't do it next spring, then I'll do it next fall. I mean, it doesn't matter how much time it takes me because uh, I'm going to do it eventually. And that's like I think a lot of us who have the privilege of climbing and the privilege of time, um, we can just, you know, it, it's fine. We're going to do it eventually. So that's my attitude. Uh, and I'm psyched. Can't wait. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's get psyched for Drew on his project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for me, um, my unfinished project at the Red is a route called Silky Smooth. Anyone ever heard of it? Chocolate Factory, right? Yeah, it's pretty hard. And um, not for Drew, it wouldn't be, but not for Matt, not for these guys. But for me, it's pretty hard. And uh, I got really close two years ago, and then the season ran out. It got cold. Last year, I came back and I had a tweaked pulley. And it's a, crimp, it's a crimp ladder, a very steep, long crimp ladder. And so it wasn't the right route for me to be on last year. I could have worked it, but I would have got hurt worse. So I, I actually took a year off. So now I'm back third fall, uh, and I'm just getting started. I just drived here, and I'm going to be here the next few weeks. And hopefully I can relearn the route. And the secret to sending it, to get to Ryan's question, for me it will be to climb it faster than I did two years ago. And that's, that's an actionable point that many of you can apply to your project, whatever it is right now. If it's past vertical, time is a factor. If you're standing on your feet, you can move slowly. If you're hanging on your fingers on a steep route, you can't move slowly. I mean, you can stop at jugs and heel hooks and knee bars and hand jams and shake out and rest. That's good climbing. But if you're in small holds, stop thinking about that they're small holds and get moving to the next rest. So the Hurst strategy on those kind of routes, and it could be a 5.11, it could be a 5.14. If it's steep and, you know, if it's overhanging route with small holds, climb fast on the small holds, and then you get on the big holds, you slow down, and if possible, you rest well. So climb fast, rest well. That is the formula at the Red River Gorge. And uh, so for me on Silky Smooth, unfortunately, there's only two places that you can 
rest well, and the rest is climb fast. And so I have videotape of my uh, almost sends two years ago, and I know what the time benchmarks are from, from the ground to the rest one, from rest one to rest two, and from rest two to the chains. So I have those time benchmarks, and now I'm gonna go back and train on the route to know it better, to be able to move more um, with uh, fewer thoughts, because thoughts slow you down if you overthink a route. And so if I can take off 10 or 20 seconds on each of those chunks, I think I can send the route. But that's gonna take some time and practice, and we'll see. Wish me luck. Fantastic, Coach, thank you. Question on tactics, one question on tactics right there, or do you just, do you need to go to the bathroom? How do you deal with what, I'm sorry? Complaining at the crag. Sam the philosopher, come on in. It's, it's a Look, bit man. of a stretch from our tactical um, uh, chapter here, but let's, uh, probably an important, as busy as this weekend is, um, crag etiquette, Sam? Look, we can't control what other people do at the crag, right? There's, we all have acceptable limits to which we feel like we need to say something. Somebody pulls their pants down and takes a crap uh, at the mother load. Most of us are probably going to say something to that person, right? Somebody pulls out a boombox and is blasting music. Maybe some of us are going to say something. Maybe not. Somebody's just in a foul mood and they're complaining about conditions or whatever, whatever. Um, you know, maybe we feel the need to go talk to them and try to give them a pep talk. Um, you know, the, the very best that any of us can do is modeling the behavior that we want to see in others. So, um, how do you want the, the, the other people at the crag or the, the community to look? You should be acting that way and modeling that for everybody else. If you, if you want people to be in a good mood, uh, be in a good mood. If you want people to uh, feel optimism, see optimism, be optimistic, be that. That's the very best we can do and we can hope for. Now, you can extend yourself past that. You can have conversations, hard conversations with people about behavior, whether it's attitude or action, um, whether it's about you know, so small, subtle behavioral uh, social norms or huge violations of, of codes of conduct. I mean, you know, we're all in this together and we're all on the same team, right? And some of us have bad days and some of us had good days and that can be on the same day. You know, we can talk to each other, uh, but the, the, the best we can do is just show up on any day at the crag and try to be the thing that we want to see everyone else being. But also, don't be afraid to talk to each other. Like, uh, it's okay to lean in a little bit into that discomfort space and to uh, just try to um, find common ground or find compromise, even if we disagree with the way somebody's behaving um, in attitude or, or in action. Thank that you, That was the best Appreciate thing I said Mo all wanted night. to add something to that too as well, Mo. Yeah, so I wonder if you're climbing next to me today. Uh, um, climbing, I, will, I do just want to add, climbing is a very process-based sport, and I think that's why we all love it. And I think that having bad days and complaining is actually a part of the process. So I think maybe instead of thinking of how, where someone else is at their process, how it's affecting you, 
I think instead we can just appreciate where that person is with their day and in their story, um, and then just have a good time. Thank you, Mo. I appreciate that too. Let's all be good to one another tomorrow when we're all out lining up for, for the routes. Last chapter, y'all, and um, that it's a perfect segue, so I appreciate that question. We're getting into mental game here, and I think a lot of us love climbing because there's such a mental aspect to it. As um, one of our um, panelists here said, we're not just picking weights off the ground and dropping them back down, right? We're rock climbing. We're dealing with a lot of mental and emotional um, struggles and also kind of superpowers in some sense if you harness it right in order to get from the bottom to the top. But we all struggle in, in the mental game in one respect or another. It could be a fear of falling or a fear of failure. It could be, uh, well, any number of things. And so um, I'll hand it over to Mo and we'll go down the line one last time here. This one's tricky because um, I feel like, you know, none of us probably has a very unique problem. Um, I think we all share a lot. Um, gosh, mentally. I think I think one of the beautiful things about climbing is, is the mental part can be arranged. Like, of course, when we send our projects, we want to do it with joy and celebration. Um, but honestly, some of my favorite sends have been rage sends. It's the last go before I'm like, I'm going to walk away and never touch this stupid climb again. And then something fires up inside of me, and that's, that's what it takes, a little bit of hate, a little bit of rage. Um, for me, climbing is sometimes yoga, it's sometimes zen, but sometimes I can get a little angry at myself, not the rock. Um, and sometimes I like to harness that anger as fuel. I'm not, I'm not an angry person, I'm pretty goofy. Um, but I think climbing for me is a great way to sort of feel all the ranges of emotions. Uh, fear, you know, disappointment, um, pressure from myself and other people. Um, and I think the struggle I have is to know when to apply those, when to embrace them, when to embrace one of those feelings, or when to say, it's not your turn. This isn't the day for that. Thank you, Mo. Appreciate that. Matt, how about you, man? The mental game. Mental game. Thank you. But before I go into the mental game, going back to the previous question, I think the most important thing is just to be nice to people, too, and take that into consideration. Don't be a dick. Just be nice at the crag. I mean, that's really important. Sorry. Mental game. Still, that still applies to the mental game. It, it kind of does apply to the mental game. It's like, you could be hard on yourself, but, like, be nice to your partner. Um... Mental game, I've, like, wavered all over the board in mental game. I've gone from, like, doing super dangerous trad climbs to sport climb projects to everything. And uh, my mental game has, like, kind of changed so much over the years of what's difficult and what's not. I broke my back five years ago and both arms and a bunch of shit. And honestly, I'm scared to fall, even on sport climbs. How many people are scared to fall? Yeah, exactly. All the it's, hands. It's it's kind of scary, and and I think uh, for me, I over over kind of deal with that fear that's totally irrelevant. I know it's I know I'm safe. I know with kind of just going through and trying to what I like to call stack all the odds in my favor. So like just make sure that everything is aligned. I know my blayer. I know my knot. I know like kind of like the whole scenario. I like run through the scenario in my head. Sometimes I vocalize it. Today I climbed with somebody new. Phil, where you at? Respect. Great belays. 
didn't fall though today. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, y- you know, I was like, hey, you know, like I weigh a lot less than you. Like, are you okay giving a dynamic play? Like, I like run through. Like, I had to run through that, you know. And I think that's something to not be ashamed of and to be like outspoken about if you're concerned about something go out of your way to talk about it so you're not scared when you're climbing you know like once i said that to phil i was like he was like yeah no i got you my wife's like 10 20 pounds lighter than you like you're fine i'm like okay cool this guy knows what he's talking about you you know like so um don't be ashamed of fear i think we all have fear and it's something that keeps us alive uh and i think that's a huge part of the mental aspect of climbing and we can all work with it Thank you, Matt. I love that answer. Go uh, ahead, Sam. Thank you. I just, I just think that everything is, is practice. Communication is practice. Uh, dealing with fear is practice. Uh, learning how to fall is practice. And generally, I, th- I think that our, our inclination is to avoid or to move the other way from the things that are uncomfortable from for us or that are uh fearful for us and you know leaning sort of the other way from that and and developing a a healthier relationship with those things into a certain sweet spot because honestly like you know going too far we get paralyzed by the things that make us afraid or by the conversations or the conflicts that are um, too heated or too strong for us but having a different sort of relationship with like those un- uncomfortable things um, I think can really change the way that you grow and the way that you progress not only in climbing yeah climbing we all want to get fucking better at climbing but like it's important these sort of skills are more broadly applicable than just our climbing performance and I think that they're really important to just being you know, a little bit better humans, a little bit better climbing partners, a little bit better uh, romantic partners or friends or whatever. So I think that if we can practice our skills with these things that give us discomfort and not sort of try to avoid them, um, we will grow. Our climbing will, will blossom and we will improve. But also, like, there's a lot broader application to that than, um, than just climbing. Thank you, Sam. I really like that. Drew, um, talking about the mental game here, struggles, what you've learned. I think it's hard to follow up what everyone said. You know, being able to communicate your needs is obviously important. What? I'm younger than you all. Yeah. I mean, they know what they're talking about, and I'm just, I'm the one listening to what they're saying. I don't know what I'm doing up here, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, communicate your needs with your partners. I think that always, like, really helps. I don't know. I just try not to fall into like traps, you know, like I've talked about with, I think projecting can be really mental and, um, you know, like expectations that you set on yourself, wanting to, to climb well or to send or to do those kinds of things. And just finding a space where you can like let go a little bit and let things happen as they are. Um, I'm not talking about rock climbing anymore. We're just talking about life up here, I guess. Um, yeah, just letting go and not taking it all so seriously, you know? I'm like a pretty anxious, driven person and uh, just kind of like letting go and letting things be. How do you let that go just, you know? Like Medication. I, I, um. 
Do you have any to share? I take medicine for anxiety, so let's just like normalize. So that. like, if you feel pressure to send, um, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, just like a lot of self work with like you know the process. It's like you know dealing with like, I mean, we're climbing rocks in the woods, and it's not that for real. You know, I care about this thing, and it's my whole life so much. Um, but also, like I, I mean, just trying to trying to really enjoy it and be present in the moments that we have because we are so lucky to be out here and to get to do what we get to do. Um, and that to me is like the grounding thing that when I feel frustrated, when I feel like scared of like trying something, um, whether it's because of performance or fear, um, I just try to ground myself in that like I'm with good people, I'm in a beautiful place and, uh, and I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Here, here, Drew. Thanks, my man. Appreciate that. It's beautiful. Coach, to wrap yeah. up the mental game chapter, what are your key takeaways here, man? Yeah, well, a lot of wisdom here. I really liked what Matt said. You know, one thing he, in his long career, uh, he just detailed was how his fears changed over the years, you know, depending what he was doing in climbing and where he was at in his climbing, the, the fears can change. And, uh, and also Sam, you know, talked about, you know, the importance of becoming comfortable with discomfort you know a lot of us you know we seek out climbing for the challenge but also because it puts us in uncomfortable and novel situations and uh, to really progress in climbing we need to embrace that and um, it, you know it's kind of paradoxical but think about this becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable that's what it's about a lot of the times right guys I mean in, in the climbing world you know the Outcome isn't known most of the time. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of accept that. And that actually can put you in the best mindset to send your project. And, you know, so over your career, you know, as a, as a young climber, it's the fear of falling that is most acute. And then when you get a little better and start to feel proud of your uh, sends, then it's fear of failure, your ego, that it gets in the way. And so it's constantly evolving. And, I, you know, every season you have to kind of step back and analyze, just like you would your training, you know, what is your weak link training-wise? Well, what is your weak link mentally uh, that's holding you back? And, uh, you know, these, these folks here all illustrated how that's a moving target. And, uh, yeah, so that keeps it uh, really interesting. And, you know, this is my 45th year climbing. I keep coming back because I embrace that process and uh, the, the joy and beauty of our sport. So thank you, Eric. I really appreciate that. Thank you all uh, climbers for that. Who out there is, is uniquely struggling with a fear of falling or a fear of failure or a fear of a fear of anything? I think I saw your hand go up over there. This is Coach Hurst's book, Maximum Climbing. Um, this the mental game is what's going to unlock new grades for you, I, I think. I mean, for me, at least, it, it's what it was holding me back. Far more than finger strength was the mental game. Come on up here and get your copy of Maximum Climbing. It's a fantastic read. And that is going to wrap it up for our panel here. The live version at Rocktoberfest is the Struggle Climbing Show. Let's give it up for our elite athletes over here. Thank you all. Let's go out and have an incredible weekend of climbing. Let's be kind to one another at the crag. Let's be supportive. Let's go out, climb hard, and do good things in the world. Good night, Rocktoberfest. <laughs>and that wraps up our special installment of the struggle live from rocktoberfest man it was like drinking from a fire hose of knowledge at this event y'all 
I really hope you learned a lot and laughed a lot and of course are now sufficiently psyched to get to your gym or crag and put it all to practice. What an incredible panel of people. What did you guys think of the event? Let us know. You can find me on IG at Ryan Devlin Outside and at The Struggle Climbing Show and our incredible panelists from today at mo.in.mountains, at Matt Siegel, at Book of Samuel, at Drew Mac 5 and at Eric Hurst. Shout out to Fizzy Vantage for being the official climbing nutrition sponsor of The Struggle. Check out Redux HP if y'all need an alternative to ibuprofen. It is just awesome stuff, along with everything else that they make. You guys, Fizzy Vantage is now available in Europe on the Epic TV online shop. And in the US, you can find their innovative products at select gyms and at fizzyvantage.com. Hit that link in your show notes or use code STRUGGLE15 at checkout for 15% off. And of course, be sure to check out everything that Petzl has to offer us in our pursuits to access the inaccessible. From helmets to harnesses to quick draws, these guys make the raddest and most reliable gear around. Find it all at your local gear shop and learn more at Petzl.com. Well, that clips the anchors on this episode. You guys, I'd like to thank the RRGCC for inviting me out to host the show on opening night of the event there. If you all climb at the red, I hope you're supporting the incredible work the RRGCC is doing. They make so much happen for us out here, from purchasing and managing land, to building and maintaining roads and trails and bridges, to hosting awesome events like Rocktoberfest. Guys, pop on over to rrgcc.org and toss them a few bucks if you can. They make it go a long way. And speaking of a few bucks that go a long way, if y'all are enjoying this show, would you consider coming aboard as a patron? For about the cost of a fancy cup of coffee or a domestic beer each month, you're going to get early and ad-free access to all the episodes, access to pro clinics with former guests, and also some super cool swag, like the stuff I was giving away at Rocktoberfest this weekend. Climbing's just all about community. I love the community we're building here, and I would love for you to come aboard as a patron. Pop on over to patreon.com slash the struggle climbing show to check it all out. Thank you. I love you. Hey, you. Are you still listening? Awesome. Thanks for listening. Would you like a free sticker? It's super easy. Just rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would love a five-star rating or a 10-star rating. I don't know. However many stars is the most stars is what I would love. And maybe a kind word if you've got a second. Do that. It's a huge, huge help to get the word out about the show. And I'll send you a sticker. The Struggle is a proud member of the Plugtone Audio Collective and is carbon neutral in partnership with the Honnold Foundation. I'm your host, Ryan Devlin, and this show was produced by me with help from the fine folks at Rocktoberfest. All right, let's climb hard and do good things in the world. <laughs>